Good afternoon, and welcome to the Healthcare Technology Insights Podcast. My name is Dan Vogt. I'm a principal here in Barry Dunn. And today I have the good fortune of serving as co-host of this episode. Hello. Welcome to Barry Dunn's Higher Education Huddle Podcast. My name is Joe Trano, and I'm a senior manager with Barry Dunn. I will be serving as a co-host of this episode as well. Wait a second, Joe. I'm confused. What's happening here? Is this the Healthcare Technology Insights Podcast or the Higher Ed Huddle? Dan, I understand your confusion. This is a crossover episode of both podcasts. For our listeners, we have often found a number of parallels between higher education and healthcare. Both industries have mission-driven focus, are going through disruption and change in how they deliver their services, are seeking ways to demonstrate better outcomes and reduce costs, and are going through a technological evolution. So we thought it would be time to blend a topic that may be relevant to both higher ed and healthcare leaders. That makes sense. Thanks, Joe. With that in mind, our very special guest today is Clint Davies. Clint Davies is a principal in our consulting group, one of the founders of consulting at Barry Dunn, and an experienced consulting leader in both healthcare and higher education. He's guided healthcare and higher education institutions through major technology implementations, including enterprise resource planning systems, electronic health record projects, and other various major system initiatives. In addition to being a leader in consulting, Clint's also a pilot. He's been flying, I think, since he was 16 years old. He's flight rated, instrument rated, a flight instructor, and most of the time an aviation geek, from what I can tell. Because of this, when Clint is involved, there's rarely a meeting without an aviation reference or comparison. We thought for today's podcast, it'd be interesting to ask Clint about lessons learned from aviation and how they can be applied to these large-scale software projects. Much like a pilot wants to land a plane smoothly and get all passengers to their destinations, health systems or higher education institutions want to implement successfully and not have projects that crash. So with further ado, let me welcome our guest, Clint Davies, or perhaps it's Captain Davies for today's episode. Well, th- thank you, Dan, and, and thank you, Joe. Thank you both for having me here. Um, as you described, I am passionate about aviation as well as the work that we do with clients. And so this is a topic that I, I uh, love to talk about and I'm really pleased that you've invited me to join you and, and we're going to have this conversation. So um, thank you. Great. Clint, for our listeners, they may not be familiar with the side of you being a pilot. Could you tell our listeners a little bit more about how you got into flying and what experiences it has taught you over the years? Yeah, so thank you, uh, Joe. I, uh, as Dan mentioned, I started flying when I was uh, a teenager. I was in high school and, and started taking flying lessons, and, and uh, aviation really just captured my imagination. And I, uh, aviation was a lot of work. It's, it's many challenges, a, a tremendous amount to learn, and I found it, it really resonated with me. I had the good fortune to learn to fly out of a, a small grass field um, and uh, from some very experienced pilots and to uh, move on and, and to get my my own ratings uh, from getting becoming a private pilot while I was in in college I I also earned my uh, commercial and my instrument ratings and uh, actually became a flight instructor and when I was in grad school I worked as a as a flight instructor to to work my way through graduate school which was was actually a lot of fun 
Um, so I've had a lot of background in it. I've, I've continued as a flight instructor um, uh, uh, since, uh, uh, since grad school, um, mostly as a hobby. I, I uh, have the um, dubious distinction of having several airplanes that I fly. And I, I really enjoy it all. And, and aviation has taught me so much, and I've been pleased to, to give some, some back. But one of the things that aviation has also really done for me is given me uh, a very tangible exposure to risk management, to um, uh, the, a lot of the challenges that we face every day in um, our work with clients who are, are trying to bring about change in their organizations, to implement new systems, to advance the practice that they bring, whether it be uh, in healthcare um, or in higher ed or in, in other industries. Uh, there's some, been some great lessons for me that I think that can um, uh, really uh, apply to the work that we see uh, and we do with clients every day. I think it's helpful for our listeners just to have a sense of, you know, how you got into flying, you know, the, the passion you bring to it and the, and the things you've learned. And, you know, I've had the, the fortune of, of flying with you a few times as a passenger and, you know, putting my, myself in your hands, if you will, up at, you know, 10,000 feet or wherever we may be. One of the things I always find fascinating is, is how many checklists and procedures aviation uses. And I'm curious if you have any insight for our listeners around, you know, checklists, standard operating procedures, and how those might be applied to large-scale software projects like ERP or EHR system and and really any industry, Um, you know, higher ed and healthcare, certainly ones that our our listeners are interested in. Yeah, you know, when we look at aviation today, um, and, and aviation truly is the safest form of transportation. I mean, the airlines have a, a just a, a tremendously good safety record, um, but it wasn't always that way. And it, it, that's been hard won to achieve it. And it's, uh, you know, been, been many hard lessons that have, have been learned in the course of aviation history um, and in how the industry has matured, how the discipline of managing the technology of aviation, the change of aviation, the people, um, and the systems that are so essential uh, to aviation. And, and again, I think we've seen, we've seen aviation do that really well. When things screw up, um, unfortunately, it makes the front page. And that's one of the things that has been a big driver in change. Um, as a flight instructor, I get updates from um, the FAA. I'm very involved in accidents that, that do occur and that uh, lessons learned that improve uh, aviation safety and our aviation operations. And, and that whole culture of safety is something that in aviation pervades everything that goes on. And so I think that's, that's really important. And again, I see you know, there's there's similar sorts of culture in, uh, especially in healthcare, when you come to patient safety and and you know you're um, you're undertaking things that have inherent risk involved uh, in it. And uh, like aviation, you know the 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 risks are um, can be very unforgiving of careless operations. Um, and you know I I see the same thing 
in other disciplines, if it comes to implementing major systems, for example, there's a lot of challenges. And the, one of the differences is that those challenges may be a little bit more subtle. In aviation, you know, we've, when you, you depart on a flight, you've got a limited amount of resources. You've got, you know, you've got a flight plan. You've got uh, fuel to get to your destination to, to go to an alternate um, and to hold for a certain amount of time. Um, but that's not an indefinite amount of time. Um, so you have to manage those resources. You have to manage the crew. Uh, there is a lot involved in, in operating a uh, aircraft safely. And it's not just the, the cockpit crew that's involved. Um, you know, the, in aviation, we think of it as a system. And that system includes the pilot, the co-pilot. It includes the, the cabin crew. It includes air traffic control. It includes ground handlers. It includes management. And those are some of the, the components of the, that aviation system that, to me, stand out is similar to if uh, a if you're delivering healthcare or you're you're implementing new um, information technology systems uh, in in a higher education system. I just want to maybe throw a follow up question in there, Clint. If that's okay, you, you mentioned a number of interesting things as we think about, you know, a university or health system or really any client implementing large scale projects, right? You mentioned the importance of planning, you know, with your fuel and your resources and your flight plan. You mentioned the importance of distinct roles and all roles being involved with your captain and your co your co-pilot and your crew. You mentioned things like managing risk, like running out of fuel. You know, if, if you're circling, you can only do it for so long. And I think you even mentioned alternate airport there. If I parallel that to any large scale software project, you've got a, a project sponsor, you've got a project manager, you may have subject matter experts, you've got that crew, right? You may have someone taking a look at it independently, like air traffic control and making sure you're not crashing into one another. So there are some interesting parallels on what you're saying there. I'm, I'm just wondering if, if any one of those things, as you think about a recent software project, really jumps out to you as, hey, here's a place where software projects could grow from what aviation is already you know, hard fought, as, as you described it. Yeah, I think there are some parallels. And, and if we follow the stream a little bit, you know, you think about before the flight starts, I mean, it begins with planning. So, you know, every flight has a flight plan. Um, and uh, it uh, takes into account, you know, the, the destination and, and what the environment is like, uh, what the weather is. Uh, it, it, uh, you, uh, you have requirements in aviation to uh, have enough fuel on board to be able to reach your destination uh, and uh, have the weather change, not be able to land and fly to an alternate airport and um, make a safe landing there and still land with acceptable fuel reserves. So that's that's a very important safety element. And when you think about uh, planning an ERP project, you have to have a sufficient um, uh, resources. And those are, are certainly dollar resources, but they're also people resources. There are um, there's energy involved. There's a, a organizational 
um, uh, capacity to undertake a big project and, and to make changes. And, and these are all aspects that occur. And if we look at each of those, um, you know, each one of those in, in aviation, you, you recognize and you manage and you plan for, and you also anticipate that the plans, things may change. Because once you launch, you know, you're, you're, <laughs> the weather may change. It may not be what's expected. You know, Clint, I think um, the question I have is related to what you just shared. And you talk about, um, you know, minimizing risk as much as possible and really having a good documentation on procedures. And one procedure that I'm interested in hearing from you is about a missed approach for a landing. I imagine there's a procedure for that. Could you explain this and how it might apply to an ERP or an EHR project and go live event? Sure. So when you think about it, uh, in on a when you're on a uh, an airline flight, the crew is is planning to get to the destination, and uh, when they depart, they have weather information, they have uh, the status of the equipment on the airplane, um, and if some of those things change, it's it's possible that the 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 crew and the airplane may not make it to its intended destination as planned. I mean, you may run out of out of uh, resources, out of limitate, out of uh, capacity here. Um, and, and so much is, is dependent on that. And this is, uh, where in the, the culture of aviation, we've, we've looked at accidents that have occurred and we've seen how, how some of these things factor into accidents. So crews are trained to, to take all these factors into, to play. Um, when they're doing, when the, uh, they're doing an approach to land and the weather is not as, uh, uh, as good as expected, and it's below minimum landing uh, conditions, uh, the crew is is trained and prepared to to make a change. And that usually is flying the missed approach procedure. That's what we call it, the missed approach, um, which is a very structured, uh, intended uh uh, planned procedure. So it's not something that uh, it's a contingency that is well prepared for. And um, the the crew has some options as to how they they manage it. If they have enough fuel, they may come around and fly another approach and they may know why they could not land and they may be able to change whatever it was. Perhaps they, um, uh, they know that the weather is improving and they'll be able to land on their second attempt. So that's a that's a, a viable um, change they may make. Um, it may be that the the <clears throat> um, uh, the fog is going to be too low and it's going to stay in over the airport for too long, and they're going to have to go to another airport. And they've already identified that contingency in advance. And when we think about this uh, in comparison to a uh, implementing an enterprise project, an enterprise resource planning system, for example. Um, uh, you have to be truly objective about the readiness of the team to go live or to, to achieve the milestones. You have to gauge the progress and you have to make decisions. Are we ready to pull the trigger and, and go live? Um, if we're not, what is the contingency plan? And identifying those contingencies and bringing some judgment into it and doing it in light of some, some 
predetermined criteria is really a way to to achieve a successful outcome. And that successful outcome may be landing at the destination um, uh, or it may be going to an alternate, refueling, and then then arriving at the destination. So those are the sorts of things that, that you have to think about and plan for in advance. You know, Clint, I like your comment around kind of the, the criteria being established in advance for go live in a software project, much like the, the procedures and the rigor you described of, of landing the airplane. And I think one of the things you've described to me over the years is the importance of trusting your instruments, right? That you may, when flying, perceive something different than what's actually happening, right? Your body may be, may be tricking you. You may think you're going up and you're actually going down, right? And you need to use those instruments and the data they're presenting to you to make decisions and trust them, not trust the, the false perception, right? And I think in an implementation project, we may have similar things. Like we may think a project's going great, but if we look at the risk register or the decision log or the status report or a, a survey of the project participants, the data, the instruments of a project may tell us something different, right? And I don't know if if you can kind of explain a bit more about that. And again, that I imagine it's hard to trust the instruments when your body is telling you something else, much like it's hard to fight the data the project's telling you if if you think it's going okay. You know, I I think that's a good analogy. And and um, in the cockpit, we have a dashboard with multiple instruments on it. And one of the things we teach pilots to do is to continually cross-check to make sure that those instruments are indeed working correctly, are indeed giving you true information. And it's not unlike um, a dashboard in a in a implementation project where you're you're looking at at multiple metrics and you have to gauge each one and determine do they do they uh, do they line up properly? Is it telling you the whole picture, the whole story? Um, and that's that's a big part of uh, both flying and in uh, the implementation of systems, for example, um, the uh, the differences is that in the implementation of systems, it can be much harder to determine um, uh, the status of certain aspects, and there are are more subtle indicators. And in an airplane, it's actually uh, it, it, things are are uh, if you are managing it. Uh, correctly, you can determine very quickly whether uh, all your instruments are are working consistently. Whereas in a uh, when you're dealing with a lot of variables of different people, systems, change management, um, procedures, uh, that can be a little bit harder to determine. But it's it's uh, just as important. Clint, uh, thank you. Um, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Something that you mentioned earlier about, you know, missing an approach for a landing maybe due to weather. And in some cases, you may need to go to an alternate airport. So I believe that there's a technique in planning of alternate airports that likely is part of your flight plan. 
Can you maybe describe for our listeners what that is and how it could help them with software implementations? Um, well, you know, first off, it you start it starts with having a plan, and it's uh, you know you you have to have a plan, and and things may change, and you may have to change the plan, but you can anticipate what some of those things could be, and it, when it comes to implementations, it can be building that plan can be a little bit more complex. It, it, it involves a lot of different pieces of information, but you have to start with that plan. And then you have to think about what factors and how can you gauge whether you're on track? I mean, are you on course? Are you consuming your resources at, at the expected level? Or is something happening? Are you facing more headwinds, um, uh, change headwinds? For example, people, you know, uh, uh, not being not being prepared uh, for change and not learning new new systems and and uh, making decisions around that. So so I think that's important. I think we've got some other factors in aviation that that also play into this. So so one of the things that's really important in in uh, aviation is teamwork and and the crew working together and and. Uh, in the last few decades, we've implemented in aviation uh, a concept called crew resource management, where you really are, are the crew communicates in a certain way. Um, everyone has a job to do. Um, they're back cross-trained as well. Um, they understand the roles. Leadership is very important in aviation. Um, so you've got a captain, you've got the first officer, um, uh, they are in many cases interchangeable, but still there's one pilot in command. Um, so you've got someone who can, uh, call, call out that, Hey, we've got something, we've got a, a problem, um, uh, here. Uh, you've got a, that team has learned how to communicate with each other. So they know how to, how to, to be hard on the issue without necessarily letting emotion get in the way. So, for example, um, uh, then this has been a this has been a factor in in accidents where people saw something but they weren't comfortable communicating it. And uh, you know, flight crews have learned how to use the right language. And you know, the the captain is trained when the co-pilot says that. Uh, uh, he's not comfortable that the airplane is properly configured in the approach, the captain may decide that she's going to fly the missed approach. And, uh, you know, she has to do that without hesitance. And that's the sort of thing that, that I think goes a long ways towards making the, the crew function properly. And it's, um, uh, it leads to a, a, predictable, safe outcome. So communication, leadership, um, teamwork, these are all critical factors in both aviation and in any system implementation effort. Yeah, Clint, you, you hit on some really important things that I could see obviously in a flying situation, but also could see in an implementation of software, right? And and one of the things that really struck me listening to that is trust, in addition to the communication, everything else, trust and a culture that allows for the communication you describe, right? And so if the co-pilot, 
mentions to the the pilot that it, they don't see something quite right. You know, they have a culture that allows for that and a culture that that does the right thing next, right? And it, can that be applied to the cultures of, of of client situations? How do they establish that sort of expectation norms at the start of an implementation project? How does a sponsor get feedback from a project manager that things aren't quite right or from a, a stakeholder group? You know, any thoughts on what it takes to kind of get those norms working? I mean, aviation's been doing it a while, but if for a client thinking about this, how do they have some open discussions around that at the beginning? Yeah, I think those are um, uh, those can be challenging topics, but there are some lessons that can be drawn from that, Dan. So, uh, you know, one of the things that occurs is before every flight, there's a briefing. And uh, it makes sure everyone is on the same page. Um, there's a clear understanding and a shared view of what the mission is, what the goal is, uh, what the, you know, the critical factors. And uh, as you mentioned, that culture of, of safety, because there's a lot of risk if you fail. Um, and we've seen that play out, unfortunately. Uh, so in, in uh the aviation environment, we really have have developed uh, the concepts that can be applied. I think from the you know from the planning, the briefing, the communication, um, how people communicate with each other, um, uh, and then the debriefing. So after every after every flight, there's always a debrief of here's what worked well and here's what lessons we've learned. And I think that that if we apply those same uh, concepts into an implementation um, or any major change effort that's being undertaken, uh, we can get everyone on on board, understand what the goals are and the objectives are, understand what it's going to take, uh, understand the flight plan that it's going to take, and then working together um, and make sure that people have the they also have to be have the skill to do their job, so that takes training, um, and we'll talk about that in a moment, perhaps. But uh, then, then the uh, at each stage, a debriefing of here's what we're, here's how it's going, here's what we've learned for lessons, here's what we need to change uh, uh, going forward, or in the next flight, or in the next stage of the implementation, for example. Those are all. Uh, applicable lessons that I think uh, can can apply. The the concept of the training I think is important to maybe highlight a little bit. Uh, can you can you speak to the importance of training, whether it's annual or otherwise, and the rein- positive reinforcement of you know good behaviors, good procedures uh, in aviation, and how that may apply to a a software implementation? Where do you yeah. draw the parallels there? Yeah, yeah. Training is is a huge part of our culture in aviation, and and um, uh, it's not just it's not just an initial training, but it's also the fact that every every six months, uh, 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 an airline flight crew has to uh, spend a couple of days in the simulator practicing for all of those procedures that don't normally occur, but that could happen, and so that helps them stay proficient and. Uh, that's a, a big part of it. I, I think in technology implementations, people need to take the time to develop, they, they need the training um, and it needs to be structured training. They need to be able to demonstrate that they can understand 
how to use the systems and, and how the new procedures are going to work and that they can follow those. Uh, and, uh, you know, in, in aviation, the flight crew gets graded on their abilities to do those things. And that's, that's just the norm. It's part of the culture and, and having that, uh, having that level of proficiency so that they can do it, um, uh, every time is, is important. And I, I don't think we've seen as much of that in when it comes to software implementations. It's, it's not that, that people are unwilling. It's just they don't necessarily have the structure and have the culture, um, that uh, at multiple levels need to occur. So I think that's where some of the discipline, some of the maturity of practices and procedures from aviation could be applied well into implementation projects. Great, thanks. I was struck by uh, a discussion we had a little bit earlier on, on this episode and, and think it sets up my next question for you clint pretty well we talked about the alternate airport concept a little bit and and i just been thinking about it in light of enterprise software projects right an alternate airport in a software implementation might be a different go live date right you might have planned on october 1st but in your advanced planning you said we could also go live february 1st so if we if we delay we already know our alternate airport our alternate airport is a different go live date or we might have planned for a big bang erp go live right for everything but the conditions change much like you described the weather and instead we're going to go with the general financials first and then the hrs second and then maybe we get out to a student system or, or something else later right so you, you pivot to a phased approach and that might be a strategy you have in your advanced planning as well as you know, software alternate airports. So, you know, the, the, the tactics are different, the concepts are different, but the idea of knowing it in advance, what you'll do if the conditions change, at least some hypotheticals, you know, it, it is helpful. And I share that to tee up my, my next question, which is around continuation bias, right? You know, kind of this concept that we're going to keep going. It's an aviation concept, it's a psychology concept, it's sort of this, this, this bias says you can keep going with the original plan despite the conditions changing, right? And this is where I think, unfortunately, some of the crashes in aviation have happened. And I know in my career, I've seen this mindset lock in with, with on projects, right? The sponsor is sort of locked and we're going to go live no matter what, despite all the risk registers being read, despite everyone being concerned, despite all the conditions have changed, but they're still locked in on, on the go live date. I'd love to hear your perspective on this because I, I think it's it, it can be important for a client to be able to step back objectively and say, is that setting in and have an open discussion around it? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Dan, that 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 continuation bias uh, can be a very dangerous thing. And in aviation, we have it. It goes by several different names, but it's, it's um, you know, sometimes it's called get home-itis or it's the, the focus so much on the mission um, and in most of our most of our flying the the mission is not worth the risks that it could it, it could bring um the uh uh so when we're um one of the things we we do in aviation is we we teach people about this we teach about the human factors you know time pressure the the sense of being goal oriented and this impacts a lot of a lot of aviators 
um, is because to be successful at, at a challenging discipline, you have to be goal oriented. You have to be, you have to work hard and, and focus on achieving the goals. Um, and that can, uh, there are times where that, that same aggressiveness about being goal oriented can be a, a tremendously dangerous thing. And we've seen a lot of accidents that have been caused. Um, by pilots uh, that are just so focused on the goal that they miss the the uh, the warning signs, the indications of, of problems, and you know they push the fuel reserve and and you know we uh, there, there's <clears throat> there have been uh, a many accidents that have arisen because the pilots thought they they could make it another fifteen miles and they'd. The you know they ran out of fuel short of their destination. So that's that's the sort of thing that we talk about in aviation, and we we try to be really focused on on the uh, what's at stake and um, the procedures, uh, the standards that I've talked about, the you know the requirements to have you know fuel reserves, for example, but also not just that, um, the human factors. I mean, we have limits. Uh, you know, we have, uh, as a flight instructor, I can only fly eight hours in any 24 per- hour period. Um, a, a airline crew has a, a 14 hour duty day, so they can't push themselves, uh, beyond that. Uh, and, you know, sometimes frustrating to be standing at the gate waiting for your flight and have the, the crew time out. Um, but, you know, you're better off for it because you don't want people making bad decisions. Um, it's, you know, you, in, in an implementation effort, uh, I can't think of a, a single go live that hasn't come down to some questions about are we, is everything perfect? And you, you, you never have everything perfect, just like you never have perfect weather and you never have, you know, perfect equipment. Um, uh, and you certainly don't have perfect people, but you have to make decisions and you have to make those in light of, of the, um, the objectives and the parameters which are going to be successful. So it's it's not it's not good to to push to go live and have everything fail just because you were trying to to go live. Um, at the same time, you have to be able to gauge: Do you have the the um, energy? Do you have the resources? Do you have people sufficiently trained when there are problems? And there always are problems. When those problems arise, are they things that can be managed? Um, in aviation, you know, we have have uh, we do have provisions for minimum equipment lists, so you can have certain failures on an airplane that will not affect the safe outcome of a flight. We have backup systems, and uh, so those are some of the decisions that you know that the crew, and not just the crew, but it also is is the the. Uh, dispatchers, the, um, again, management of the airline creates a culture of, uh, you know, are, are they trying to get to their destinations at all costs or are they managing safety, uh, as well as, uh, service and, uh, the, the other aspects of, uh, successful, uh, flights and transportation experiences. We can talk about um, the uh, we can talk about the airlines a lot, um, but the things that the airlines know how to do well is to to not kill people and to um, get people there efficiently. It may not be always on time, but 
it's uh, for the most part our record of aviation safety is is pretty good. You know, Clint, I can speak from a, from a healthcare perspective, and this is a crossover you know episode here between our higher ed and and healthcare podcast. But I can think about you know hospital and health systems that you know. Maybe they didn't crash the plane when they went live, but they caused such financial distress, let's say, because they're, they couldn't bill for such a long time that they're borrowing against their investments and, and potentially leading them to not be an independent hospital anymore, which they might consider a crash, if you will, of, of the plane. Right. And so my follow up is a lot of the things you mentioned there. I would think would be great things to talk about at the very start of the project. So if you're sitting down with the board, or you're sitting down with the leadership team and you're talking about, here's the project we're about to do. And what are those big risks that we, we need to avoid? We can't crash the plane, right? It doesn't need to be perfect, but we can't crash the plane, right? If you think a, an honest conversation about continuation bias and the things that could happen at the very start, you know, would be beneficial if you're sitting down with a board or a, a, a management team and and how might you start that conversation with them, you know, to really get this in their thinking? Yeah, you know, I, I've often used the words when, when I've been talking with, with clients and with, with boards like this, that, that a major implementation project is a lot of problems flying in close formation. And, you know, recognizing that at the outset, that this is, this is a uh, challenging undertaking. Um, it's, it's an important undertaking. It's something that you, uh, you need to do because you, you need to have the, the benefits of new technology. Um, but it's not, it's not without some, some hard work. Um, and then laying out a realistic plan. Uh, uh, thinking about contingencies, um, thinking about people, making sure that you backfill uh, for for people at critical times so that they can do their job uh, during the the implementation. You know, it's it's not unlike um, my job when we're when we're traveling to a client and and I have two hats. You know, one is my my um, consultant hat, and the other is is my hat as a as a pilot is aviator and um you know i have to i have to make sure that i'm able to do both jobs effectively and i think clients need to think about it the same way when they've got people that are implementing a new system they've got to be able to do that effectively and they also still need to handle their day job or the day job needs to be handled by someone and it's this is where you want to think back about the crew concept so you really you don't want you don't want a just people taking on humongous tasks all by themselves. It needs to be done as a as a team, as a crew, and it needs to be managed intentionally, purposefully, and then uh, you can you're setting yourself up for success. So if you start out recognizing what it's going to take, preparing for it, um, uh, understanding that not everything will work smoothly, but that. Uh, you're you're prepared to identify problems and and address them quickly, giving yourself room in the implementation plan, for example, um, uh, so that that you can stay on course and achieve the achieve the implementation results uh, successfully. The other thing to also keep in mind is, is live operation is one destination, but it's not the ultimate destination. It's, it's, um, really going to be, uh, that, that, uh, 
that process of continuous improvement because after a system is implemented, you, you go live, you know, historically people would say, oh, we're all done with that. But that's not the case because you're going to continue to refine processes. You're going to become better at it and you need to become better at it. So, so you need to, to continually um, learn how to, to change, how to adapt and how to, to really be better at what your, your, or focus is. Now I can appreciate that. And um, I can certainly see the parallels with higher education as well. And as we all know, uh, these ERP projects can be multi-year, uh, multi-year long projects that require a lot of planning, um, a lot of adjustments along the way to course correct or make sure that if things do come up that present a greater risk that they get addressed. Um, so the long-term destination is met. Um, so I, I can certainly see, see those parallels, Clint, as you described uh, the aviation piece of, uh, of, of what you do. Um, I have a follow, you know, we're running close to the end of our time here. I wanted to uh, just ask you a, a follow-up question. And that is, you know, we've, we've touched on a lot of topics We've asked a lot of questions um, related to aviation and flight and uh, some really good good takeaways for our listeners. So I'd like to maybe just close with a final uh, question for you. And that is, is there anything that we didn't touch on that you feel is a really important point to make regarding aviation and maybe drawing a parallel to a major software implementation in higher ed or healthcare? Boy, you know, we've, we've talked about a lot here. So we've talked a little bit about planning. We've talked about um, the importance of, of leadership and teamwork. We've talked about training, um, you know, uh, training to not just understand what a system can do, but really to proficiency. Um, we've talked about integrating procedures and uh, the need to uh, have, have everyone um, involved in the system, be on the same page and be, you know, working um, towards the same goals and, and to recognize um, when uh, problems arise and how to communicate and to speak up in, in the course of that. These are all some of the things that we found, you know, in aviation. Um, the, uh, uh, I think, I think we've hit on so many of these, these points here. Um, it's uh, uh, a, it's a it's a it's a great opportunity, and, and aviation just has brought so much to um, our our world. When you think about it, I mean, the ability to get on an airliner and fly, you know, across the country or across the ocean, um, and uh, is uh, something that we've never had before in in uh, until this era that we're in now, this age that we're in today, and we are seeing the same sorts of dramatic advances in uh, information technology that we've had in aviation. Um, it's uh, the capabilities that, that new systems give us if properly implemented and, and approached in the right way and, and managed is just tremendous. And it gives us capabilities uh, that, that, you know, we couldn't have imagined a few generations ago and the same thing in you know aviation has done that um aviation has technology has been a big part of aviation a lot of the changes in um 
technology in, in aviation have been brought about by technology in in the, the last few years. And, and it's just, it's really amazing to see. And, and we're seeing the same thing happen across multiple industries. I mean, I think about the importance of, of patient safety and the ability to use technology to improve outcomes for patients, um, uh, to better deliver healthcare um, is just tremendous. I think of where higher education is going, and I think of uh, the student systems that are are now being uh, developed that are on the horizon, the ability to to really improve the student experience and to give make education more accessible uh, to people. I mean, this is just a, these are tremendous benefits. So I, I think the the goal is worth it. Um, it's uh, uh, if we can do it and and enjoy the journey a little bit too. That's a plus. Thank you so much, Clint. Dan and I were thrilled to have you join us today on this crossover podcast. This was really great. And I think the insights that you shared with our listeners, I think will really help them think through some of their major software implementations that they have and be able to draw upon some of those parallels in aviation where you you have some really structured procedures and um, steps, checklists, those things I think all can be certainly applied to major software implementation. If you're not thinking about those already, um, I know our clients, uh, you know, hopefully are planning and preparing for their implementation in, in a way that's, uh, you know, going to lead to success. Um, so we really appreciate you sharing those, those insights. And we hope that the insights that you did share today will help our listeners, as I mentioned, really keep their software projects on a safe flight plan with a smooth landing at their destination. How do you like that? <laughs> well, just thank you, Joe. This was actually a lot of fun. I really, as Dan said at the outset, I always you know, love aviation and I'm enthusiastic about it. And I, I'm really enthusiastic about the future um, that we see for healthcare and for higher education. So this was, this was a lot of fun putting this, this all together. So thank you both. Thank you. Uh, for our listeners, you can find our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google. I'm Joe Trano. And I'm Dan Vogel. And you've been listening to the Barry Dunn Higher Education Huddle and Healthcare Technology Insights Podcast. Thank you for listening. Be well and stay insightful. Stay insightful.